This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 150, The Clan of Star Strategy Guide. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Oh, like it's nothing. Like it's just the yeah. Like it's like just, it's just like chill. Like yeah. it's just cool. Like, like episode one hundred and fifty, Clan of Star Strategy Guide. Yeah. Okay. I actually. How about this? I'm gonna try and fall asleep as I do it. Okay. Episode one hundred fifty. Um. Sar Strategy Guide. Yeah. Good morning, Hunter. Yeah. You look relaxed too. And what's funny is that I can see you as a person here. We're back in the same room. This baby. is crazy. This is crazy. Last time we did this was last winter when you just were here temporarily. Uh-huh. But now you're here more temporarily. Let's no, let's be real. I'm probably I mean comedy's probably canceled forever. forever. Like right. comedy is basically comedy Nobody's as ever you know going, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's done. And and what we're going to look at is all the people that have made it in stand-up at this point, that's the last generation of right. stand-up comedians. So there will be no nothing for me to go back to when the world goes back to normal. They're all podcasters and Twitch streamers now. Yeah. That's all anybody can do. So I'm just going to live in your garage is what I'm saying. And Deal. I think that'll work. Me, you, Molly, <laughs> Katie. <laughs> That was an afterthought for you. <laughs> well, I just want to make sure I got everybody sure, right. You know, sure. Pat. Not Elena, it seems. Elena will be in the in the garage with me. Okay. Yeah. I hope she's all right with that. Uh yeah. I mean she better be. Um <laughs> she does kind of like the amount, you know, Elena's never lived well, this is great. This is a great little pre pre Precursor for next week. For next week. We get to talk our trash today. Yeah. Let's get them. Uh, Elena's uh, only lived in Portland. She's never lived anywhere else. So this is this is quite a trip for her. Now she lives living. in the woods. She lives in the woods now, <laughs> um, which is great. And uh, and I love I love being a woods guy. It, uh-huh. it does make me feel, you know, it's like there's bears out here, mm-hmm. and a lot of times I walk around naked in the dark and eat blueberries, <laughs> like a kind of uh, like a what kind of bear. Would you uh, like a naked blueberry eating in the dark, like a weird bear, sad like a, boy, like kind? a poo bear, like a poo bear? Oh, I see. You're doing like a fun transition. Yeah, that's what I was gonna do. Yeah. I was gonna get us into talking that's about Ti. Funny. I know. Isn't that cool? That's really funny. Um, but yeah, no, it's like a poo bear. Um, but I only do it at night in the dark in other people's yards. Yeah. Yeah. So I let my cat out every once in a while, mm-hmm. and then I freak out when she's gone for five minutes that's cool so and then she comes back after 10 minutes it's cool to freak about cats being outside but it's like you know what there's bobcats that are like 15 times your size or something stupid who dude let me tell you something right now man yeah one time i was in uh i was in wilson arkansas which is out in the it's pretty deep in the mountains Uh Uh and uh Uh i was walking along this train track because i was trying to walk into this abandoned train tunnel that goes real long and i'm telling you man i heard a mountain lion I know that that story is true. That is true. <laughs> you didn't, what, I told it like a joke, but that's, that's true. A, that's but I made the, it. Didn't I make it more interesting? <laughs> <though>? <laughs> well, 
Well, we are we are doing a SAR guide today. Uh, <laughs> and like we Hard said, transition you, out of the comedy. If you don't listen to our root episodes because you're like TI or death. Wow. Uh, yeah. You and probably you have a guitar. And you, have a guitar you missed the part where we were kind of like guides are going to get weird, huh? Yeah. So guides are going to get weird um, <laughs> because it's sort of like, oh, I don't know. What is the situation? What would you like in this situation to? It's sort of like we gave, it's like we work at a job and we already gave our two weeks notice. Yeah. Like <laughs> we're going to keep coming in, but you know, like it's the, the quality of the work is going to change a little bit yeah. because we all know this is over. Right. You know, right. You're probably not getting that expense report. Yeah. I mean, like, let's be real. If you're if you're trying to figure out, let's and I feel bad for you. Let's say you're a new player and you're trying to figure out base game yeah. SAR yeah. at this point, you know, a little over almost two years into the game. Um and well, wait, no, more than two years into the game. We're, We're almost three. Idiot. We're almost three years into the game. Yeah. Jeez. Um you're it's you gotta hurry up dog you gotta get on this train because it's about to we're never we're not gonna be talking about this stuff and this is gonna be way different uh and stick around to the end of this guide because at the end we are going to reveal right on the clan of sars mech we're also going to reveal just like a random exploration card uh, for kicks but the sar mech is crazy can't wait uh but we will get to that first let's talk about the clan of sar let's do the guide Um, so I think the biggest way that these things are really going to look is, um, and we kind of said this before too, is these might start to feel a little bit like reactions to the first round strategies episodes too. Sure, yeah, yeah. But I don't want to make those required reading or anything. So we are going to harp on like a lot of the same points, especially Mm -hmm. today, uh, because I feel like our last guide kind of stands up to it. So, so it's okay to, it's it pretty does all good. right yeah. yeah there's some stuff that that we're gonna kind of shift the needle on but but most of it is i mean it's hard to mess up sar is yeah, the real it, thing <laughs> i mean not to, i'm not trying to be rude but it doesn't take a genius mm-hmm. to look at the faction abilities and yeah. kind of put together uh oh okay i see how this works like <laughs> it's good it's it's good yeah uh so let's talk about what now, wait, wait actually i want to say this yeah. i don't get it yeah, that's something I want to say. After being really snooty about it, I do want to say that I and and it's well known. Yeah, I recently, pretty recently, had a stream where I played a SAR and I failed pretty spectacularly. <laughs> it's funny how. So I think you said this to me recently, just like off off the show. But you were saying that like I'm good with good factions, mm-hmm. which I took as an insult. Which is like, oh, so I'm only good no, when the no, faction no, is no, good. But, but you I meant it in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're like, you're like really, I liked, I used a poker analogy. Yeah. You, I think when you're at your best is when you show up to the table and you already have piles and piles of chips. Right. And, but you're going to lose a lot of those chips and then maybe gain them all back in a spectacular fashion. I like showing up. I like turning, like you'll turn $500 into $5 and then to (laughs) $5,000. I like showing up with 50 cents turning it into 50 bucks and being like i did a good job yeah. <laughs> and win or lose you know what i mean i'm like that's Came pretty cool out. yeah yeah uh well i i i just think for me it's i like having the options and taking the risks that might squander those yeah i sure, don't sure. like never having the options and sar is all about having the options totally, you got totally. it you have you you have the uh, the ability to redivert yourself into anything you need to to do right. it's sort of like the joel R guide from not too long ago but be, not, instead of tech it's more like position and sheer volume of stuff of plastic yeah, yeah. 
totally. So uh, let's let's go over what they've got. You have two planets in your home system, um, a two one and a one zero, and you start with anti mass deflectors. So you can from the get go go through asteroid fields, mm-hmm. um, stop in them. Uh, as well as like the minus one to whatever. Uh, but your starting units are pretty ridiculous. Two carriers, one cruiser, two fighters, four infantry, one space dock. If you're if you're playing the the CI game, it's it's technically two C four I, but it's actually better than that because you start with uh, floating factories, a unique space dock that is essentially i'm not going to read the exact text but they have production five they don't sit on planets and they can move around in space they fly around they fly around they're, not they're also sort planets. of like stealth bombers they're, they got weird rules they can yeah, sneak around they do stupid stuff like if you move into a system with pds but you have no other ships the pds cannot fire at your floating factories yeah. and then you can just invade with the infantry that's pretty goofy and stupid and yeah. you should do it that's the thing you probably w- will find an opportunity to do that at least once a game sure uh as the as the star they also have four capacity uh it's basically a third space dock for your start like in terms of like your first round you have a third space dock if you can get two more infantry you mean a third carrier but yes oh did i say space dock? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah third carrier you could if you can get two more infantry you can take six planets round one kind of easily like not right. magic christmas land right 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 totally it's fun it and, is and uh well i guess we're t- going to talk about their abilities in a minute but just to say you know home system whatever fine passable yeah you don't need it right because we'll get to that in just a second okay <laughs> hold your horses so you have the faction abilities nomadic. You can score objectives even if you don't control the planets in your home system, which yeah. is like the main rule of Twilight Imperium that they yeah. just get to break. Yeah. Uh, so this means you get to just go. Uh, and the other thing that is a huge deal, especially for your round one, I feel like Clannistar is the like ultimate round one faction. Yeah, they're great. Um, scavenge is your second ability. After you gain control of a planet, gain one trade good. Now, the big thing I want to express here is the fact that when you take a planet, you're getting trade goods, and the fact that you start with three resources, normally we would be like a 3-1 home system. That's terrible. Yeah, that is sure, absolutely sure. trash. You yeah. have no influence, right. and the three resources isn't enough for tech. Yeah. But by virtue of doing even a single expansion on your first turn, you can afford tech because you're getting at least one trade good. Yeah. Usually you're taking two plants. You get two trade goods. You got five bucks total. So before tech even has an opportunity to pop, you can afford the tech. So yeah. we're not worried about the three resources right, right, at home. Right. Uh, the the other kind of aspect to all of this is how much you can dedicate to just getting everything out there. Everybody else, you kind of have to worry about like, well, am I going to send all my ground forces out or do I need to kind of hold a couple back home and I need to like leave my cruiser of my space dock because I don't want to get blockaded round two or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. You don't care about it. You literally... Almost every time I've ever played SAR, I completely emptied my home system round one. Yeah. And never common. thought twice about very it. Very common. Not not a big deal. Uh, let's just finish the overview here. You've got your flagship, the Son of Ra. Uh, it has anti-fighter barrage of a six on four dice. It hits two on a five. It's very good. One of the better flagships out there. But because of base game objective layout, you're really only building it if you need it. Uh it's great. It's a very, very good ship and can be a part of really big fleets. And if your opponent is a big fighter screen that you need to chew through, yeah, you, you'll probably build it. But you uh, you have to be as careful as always. It's not a like definitely auto build flagship. Your I mean, it's pretty great that because you're SAR and you have floating factories, you can kind of just be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to build it now. Yeah. The big trick with their flagship is that if and when you get chaos mapping, because you should get chaos mapping, which we'll get into here in a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, let's cover it right now. One of your faction techs is chaos mapping. Uh, other players cannot 
activate asteroid fields that contain one or more of your ships at the start of your turn. During the action phase, you may produce one unit in a system that contains at least one of your units that has production. Now, two important notes. One, because players cannot activate your systems in asteroid fields, it means nothing can be done. Yep. to your plant your your ships that are in the asteroid field some other abilities are like you can't move ships in but then like pds could still fire sure sure, sure nobody can even fire pds at your stuff in asteroid fields and the second thing is that production ability is not doing a production step which means it is not impacted by sarween tools so anytime you build off of chaos mapping it's the full price of whatever single unit yeah. you want to build cool cool, cool but yeah. the point i was going to make a second ago is the flagship is very interesting exclusively for SAR because they can build it at the start of their turn. I played a game recently where I unveiled my flagship the turn I bought it. Off of Buy chaos it, mapping. nobody awesome. sees it coming. You chaos map your flagship and then you move it out and you go kill an easy fight. So that's a big, big deal for them. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a sometimes tricky action phase secret that they can just kind of do. Yeah. Um, so very good. Their, their upgrade upgrades their space stocks to a movement of two, uh, upgrades their capacity by one up to five, and their production value becomes seven instead of five. Pretty. That's very fun. pretty. That's oh, very pretty. Do we have to mention the promissory note? Yeah, let's talk about it. It's not bad. It's fine. It's, it's middle of the road. It's middle of the road. Why? Is, I don't even think it's middle of the road. All right. After you commit one or more units to land on a planet, remove all the SAR players' ground forces from that planet and place them on a planet controlled by the SAR player, then return this card to the SAR player. This has that status to me like what old Barony promissory sure, sure, note sure, had, sure. which is you only give it to someone the second they're going to use it. You got to tweak it. You got to work it a little bit, but yeah. I don't I don't think it's awful. No. I think it's just like you. I definitely it's not so it's not so good that I would uh, like plan to use it. Right. But you might organically find yourself in a situation where you're like, oh, that guy's about to eat, take one of my planets and I left a duder there. Yeah. I wonder if that guy might like it if I just gave him the planet, the planet, yeah. and then and then and then I could just make a little moolah too, because right. you're also probably going to make some moolah if you take the planet back. Yeah, so make a little money on the front end uh, and the back end. That's cool. I think my issue with it is you you sometimes the value prospect is off because the fact that you are getting to move your infantry off, they don't die, and you get to put them somewhere else. It's, pretty, it's like is almost payment you. in itself. So I well, feel yeah, like a so lot of the times saying. you're Here's, just giving the rocks call for free. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're not ever so, buying or selling it. So that's what I'm saying is is and and yeah, I should finish that out and say that if you get anything for it, that's awesome because it's already pretty much rules. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, though, in those situations where you know somebody is in a situation where they've they've got, let's say, it's a two planet system, they've got two infantry, yeah. they want to take both planets. You know what I mean? So like, they probably they might be willing to give you a trade good right. on top of right. the awesome benefit of being able to just move that guy anyways. Yeah. I think if anything. I treat it almost more like another faction ability than I do a promissory note. Sure. Other yeah, people's yeah. promissory notes, it's like, how am I going to wheel and deal this? You don't do that with Sorry, It's just right. like, when a thing happens, I could kind of exploit this little ability. I'll say this. I think a lot of players just straight up forget about it. Yeah. And every time I see I it used, do. I'm always like, oh, you know, that actually does work sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Not all the time. I'm not. And yeah, and maybe now I'm swinging it the other way where people are going to be <laughs> too obsessed about it. I'm just saying like the knob has been dialed to like, I would say a one yeah. when it really should be at like a three. Right, right. Yeah. Well, let's get into the actual fun part, uh, which is starting to break down what SAR does. And uh, early game is 
ridiculous for them. Yeah. If anything, we could talk for a long time about this or we could say almost nothing because you can't make a bad strategy card pick here. Yeah, from like an advice perspective, it's kind of like, oh, come on, you're not going to mess up. Yeah. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but but to, to go through each one, I just want to express the benefits of each one so you get like how good everything can be for sure. you. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to, to build a baseline, though, let's talk about all the things you want round one. And then that'll help us kind of frame like what we're doing with each strategy card. Mm -hmm. You want to get gravity drive tech. Now, you could also get Sarween tools or chaos mapping instead. And both of those are good techs that you will probably get eventually. But I'm going to today make the argument that there's no reason you should get either of those round one. Um, definitely not chaos mapping. And Sarween tools is just really limited in its use specifically around one compared to the huge amount of benefits you'll get if you research gravity drive round one mm -hmm. and like we kind of said earlier there is no way to stop you from being able to research tech um you will either have the tech strategy card or you will go before tech and you will take a system and you will get a trade good and have four dollars to spend on tech well i'll say this <laughs> Um, gauntlet throne chaos mappers <laughs> where my chaos map heads out they're gonna come out and be like well but you could build a, 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 a thing off the front and yeah the big the, the big thing is the main thing that you need to build round one is two more infantry yeah you have three ships that transport units and you only have three command counters and tactics so you literally can't benefit from a new ship at the start of an activation. So yeah. chaos mapping doesn't do anything for you, and you would be wasting your time to be moving into an asteroid field round one. You know what would be cool, though? It, and I actually feel like this was maybe the intention, but then, like, maybe at some point somebody just, like, forgot what they were doing. <laughs> but, like, if their home system was an asteroid field... I know. Because I don't know if you've looked at it, but it looks it's like it is. It's two asteroid fields? <laughs> yeah, it's two asteroids. Yeah, I wish I wish it was. That thematically cool. would, be, would be more fun to me. And then it's a goofy trade-off of, like, you don't need your home system, but also if you get chaos mapping, nobody can ever go there. So yeah. you might as well keep your home system. <laughs> One random gripe I'm just going to throw out right here is sometimes I get annoyed playing against Star because then if the stage two conquer the wheat comes out yeah their neighbor just gets, just gets it freebie yeah. and that's lame to me and at least if it was an asteroid field there might be situations where they're like oh no i don't have anti-mass yeah. i can't get it like <laughs> at least that would happen sometimes right. and that would be delicious yeah. yeah um so okay so we want gravity drive and we i'm going to say probably want a second space dock yeah sure not every definitely. time but there's a lot of scenarios where we can pretty easily afford it um, and then, I don't think it's required, but it's no. smart to do. Yes, very exactly. smart. To yeah, do. it's not going to net you anything round one, but it will give you protection in round one and round two, which we'll get into what that protection looks like. Uh, the third thing is doing the warfare secondary. Uh, it should be clear your space dock can move. Mm -hmm. The warfare secondary is to build out of a space dock in your home system. So if you want to do the secondary of warfare, you have to make sure the last thing that you move out of your home system is your space dock. But I don't think building out of your space dock off of warfare is a requirement round mm -hmm. one because it's the floating factory. You're going to be able to move that thing forward. You would basically rather have a fleet far further forward. Sure. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. The only reason you're building out of it off of warfare is if you I, I think the biggest thing would be 
uh, if like you have three systems adjacent to home and you're doing the secondary of warfare to build two infantry or if just the slice is shaped it's weird, just yeah. non-traditional slice yeah, shape exactly. like there could be there could be reasons right. that you would that you would want to do it or if way. you just like need a trade ship to make things work or whatever yeah so, sometimes too it's just like a weird command counter problem of like well actually i'm doing these three activations so my build needs to be the secondary of warfare because i, I haven't built in my build into the other stuff but yeah. generally speaking you don't necessarily need warfare which is what opens you up to being able to do construction more often yeah it's almost like the way the way i would frame it is like don't forget mm -hmm. that you can do the secondary of warfare if you find yourself in a situation where it seems to make sense to do that or it however you've planned it doesn't seem to make sense yeah, yeah. so um so i highly rate every single strategy card pretty much there's no like this is bad for you um, there's everything is pretty good. So let's just, I bet you can predict the ones we don't think are good. Yeah, <laughs> actually, let's just get it out of the way. Diplo and Imperial. You're not going to do it. Not don't, this time. I won't even hear the arguments for Diplo this time. And I'm sorry that that make there is a, there is like a legion of people out there that get annoyed every time we're just like, they're Diplo. growing and, and we're adding to their, I know. their, their well, numbers. Well, Omega Diplo only made it worse because now Diplo is quite a bit better. Um, the problem is, well, first off, your, your, your two home planets suck. Yeah. So the best you're still going to do is like two, three resource planets to get six bucks back. Right. So it's like activate, activate, get those, refresh those two planets, six bucks. Okay, that you made six bucks and you handed out the amount of money that you handed out with Diplo. But the even bigger argument is you really do want to get that early second space dock. So construction is just better. Pretty great. It just is better than Diplo. Um, you, you, you make enough money round one to where you don't, need six extra bucks six extra bucks would be great but i just think sometimes it can be awkward to use it well and, and we're gonna make a pretty strong argument for every other strategy card right. so that's really the problem yeah yeah I, I i can see some arguments for going ahead and doing it because you're just wanting to like really build a, as many ships as physically possible and you know you're not going to get the trade goods mm -hmm. but i I think you would be better served with construction so let's talk about leadership uh leadership is very 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 good uh, for the clan Asar because you go first, which means you go before construction and you go before tech, obviously. Right. Um, so as we've already explained, you're going to expand out and get the trade good you need. Now you can afford tech. You've taken a planet. You probably took it with like a carrier, a fighter, two ground forces, and like maybe send that cruiser with it because then your second action is going to be to pop leadership, get some extra command. You might throw one extra command counter in uh, your secondary in your strategy area. I like to throw one in fleet. Basically, I like to do one, one, one. Yeah. With leadership. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, and what that allows you to do is do a much bigger build later in the round. You are definitely getting your your second space stock where that first expansion went, and you still have plenty of ability to expand all of your other stuff. And you got gravity jack. Like leadership lets you do literally everything. Right. You could still do the secondary of warfare if you wanted to, but you don't even need to do that. Um, I would do the secondary warfare if, again, if I could get like two more infantry and a couple fighters uh, to then send with like my second carrier. It depends on when everything times out. But for me with leadership, I'm definitely doing tech. I'm definitely doing construction and I might do warfare mm -hmm. and I'm taking a lot of planets. Uh, politics is one of the better. I, I think some people will argue the best thing that you could take um, because politics sets you up to guaranteed to take Mechatorex round two. Yeah. Um, as your first action. Basically, again, you cannot not get tech. You will get the money for tech so you can afford it. And then round two, you take leadership. Uh, you will definitely make enough trade goods this round 
to afford the six influence. There's just nothing. There is literally no faction can as easily take Mechatol Rex round two yeah. with politics. Yeah. Nobody, I mean, Soul is up there, but you you literally make more money. Soul still has to get the right slice to get mm-hmm. the influence. Mm-hmm. You are going to make trade goods. You're yeah. going to make probably at least four trade goods, if not more. Right. So you're just, you, you have it set in the- in You the would shape. have to like pass and do no actions right. in order to not sell, set yourself up yeah. for Mechatol Rex round I, two. I would not sell the speaker token. Yeah. And- Two action cards is great. You don't generally have a great action card economy. Um, depends on what you do. Yeah, Asar. but what if my buddy will give me first pick and I trust him? Can I sell it then? <laughs> sure. He said I can have first pick. Yeah. Is that good? You have a weird meta. He said it's cool. So, <laughs> and I don't think Billy would lie to me, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, that's all Billy does is he would lie to you. <laughs> uh, Next up is construction, and I keep kind of saying it's good. I'm not saying it's like first pick, but I'm saying it's definitely your sixth pick. Like if you're last, construction is a great thing to have. Uh, I would even do it if I'm like fourth pick. Um, I, I, there are worlds where Whoa, I, now that's bold. It's we bold. Just, I might pick construction over tech in some games. Oh, okay, yeah. Actually, that's not that bold. That's yeah. fine. So uh, construction, but it would be weird if tech made it that far. That's it all would I'm be. That's it, a weird it'd situation. Be super weird. If you're picking between <laughs> tech and construction, things have gone awry. <laughs> uh, I, I would say. Um, so this is where I want to make the point about why we keep saying we want this second space dock. Yeah. Uh, and we're gonna get into this in like the problems section of this faction. Ooh, my favorite section. You, um, you're really good, <laughs> and everybody yeah. knows it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so you are very likely to draw the ire from the whole table. Sure. Um, and cards. And cards. Mean cards. That Reactor are bad. meltdown. Sure. If and when someone draws it, they're going to use it on you. Yeah, and like, they're going to look at you yeah. like they're the coolest guy in the world. <laughs> and they're going to say, you've activated my trap card. And then they're going to play it. And you're going to feel like crap. Yeah. You know? So getting, you want the second space stock anyways, in general, like by round three, you want a second space stock, but if you can just get it out of the way, now you have no threat because the worst thing that happens to SAR is when round one, uh, someone does draw the reactor meltdown and they totally screw up like your cool plan of like move a carrier totally, out, totally. move a carrier out. And it then doesn't have to be reactor meltdown either. It yeah. could be some sort of weird, Hey, you know what? SAR only has one space stock and I'm going to just like make a play real quick. Yeah. Like you are a hated faction and yes. people are going to do weird stuff to try and stop you. I know I've been that person <laughs> and done weird stuff to try and stop yeah. you. Yeah. People will go out of their way. They will make crazy arguments of like, you know, this costs me a lot, but at least I'm taking SAR down a peg. Right. And as long as you have one space stock, you are kind of communicating to the table like if I lose this, I'm in trouble yeah. if this happens at the wrong. If you catch me on the back foot yep. and I've only got one space stock. So you do, I do want to stress that I, I think it is important for you to get that second space stock. Yeah. If not in the first round, then like ASAP. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, which is why I, I will generally prioritize the secondary of construction over the secondary of warfare. Right. Uh, because we can build on the move anyways. We don't need to be building stuff in our home system. We need to build stuff on the front lines. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about trade. Trade is interestingly low for Clanisar. You'd think it would be great because like I can make a ton of trade goods and then build like this unstoppable army. Yeah. That just terrifies sure, everyone. Sure, sure, sure. But what does that actually do for you i don't know hunter you and i kind of debated this and like talked about it beforehand i, I i'm interested to hear you kind of re-explain sure your, your thoughts on trade yeah so i think the way i feel about trade um is that if it depends on the reason that you're taking it 
if there are spend objectives in the first two, let's say the first two are spendy and you're like, oh, it's going to be a spendy game, then okay, fine, whatever. You're yeah. saving up money for the objectives. You're budgeting for the objectives yeah. already. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you take trade because you're just like, I'm going to build a bunch of ships. Well, a lot of times at the beginning, you need solid fighter screens, yeah. which are actually not expensive, but they do take up whole production slots and your production uh, is hard locked. Yeah. It's hard locked at like, solid yeah. but like it's still like you you don't get to just like pick a cool planet and be like all right now i, pro- I have a good production here yeah. so like i can mitigate that so at the beginning of the game until you get that second space stock out which hopefully you do but the idea that you're going to be able to get a second space stock out and then produce out of it well that's actually impossible and i just worked it out in my head that it was dumb for me to even suggest <laughs> that it could be possible even for a second um but yeah so basically what i'm saying is it just feels like you're going to have a lot of stuff anyways. So this kind of just doubles down yeah. on on really nothing uh, right. that is essential for you. Whereas the rest of the, it's not that trade is bad. It's that the rest of these are all really good yeah. because of your good start. Yeah. So. Yeah. You, you basically just end up with like an extra dread where you wouldn't have like you have one Maybe, more dread, yeah. not than you wouldn't right, right around one. Now, if you're the kind of player who's like, you know what? I can get a jump on extra before they get their flagship out and like really do some damage like okay maybe maybe there is value in that but generally speaking um you don't need to do that much Mm -hmm. so trade is is not fixing or helping anything i just feel like with almost any of these strategy cards um just by nature of scavenge uh you're gonna have on average more plastic than any of the other players going into round two. So I feel like the priority is more on like positional advantage than it is on like just maximizing the amount of plastic you can build. Yeah. Yeah. The plastic is important, but where that plastic is, is yeah. More important, which is great for the next one we're going to talk about. So warfare is the best thing. I mean, people are afraid of SAR getting warfare. It's, It's the worst thing that can happen in any game because that unlocks SAR to be able to do just like the craziest stuff. The, right. the coolest, my favorite thing with SAR with warfare is you move literally every single thing in your home system out forward, build out of that space stock more stuff, unlock it, redistribute your tokens. Mate, well, I guess at that point you can't, but regardless, you unlock your stuff uh, and then spend, send it all out again. Like you can take both equidistance and be adjacent to Mechatol Rex at the end of round one yeah, with yeah. with warfare it's it's stupid good um you you can basically go wherever you want warfare technically is how you could if you got the money and i don't advise you do this but right. warfare is how you take mechatol rex round one as sar sure um i don't think you should burn everything you got on that um but who knows? It can happen. Who knows your situation? Yeah. Though. Could, sounds fun to me. I'd rather have the plastic round Correct. one yeah, than yeah. spending all my trade goods on. As influence. responsible adults, we, <laughs> as your lawyer, we advise you not to go for Mechatol Rex round one, but sounds fun. Yeah, maybe it's that game. Uh, and finally is tech. Tech is actually surprisingly mediocre for you. Uh, again, you will always afford tech and then you will also always afford at least like a couple ships or like a fighter screen. So like mm-hmm. you're not in trouble. Um, tech lets you get gravity drive whenever you want. Like you could do it first action and then send all of your stuff to systems. Away. That's uh, kind of cool. It is kind of cool thing about it. Yeah, that's definitely the best thing about it. The other thing that I would say is do not double tech. Yeah, you don't gain really anything. The best thing you're going to gain is getting Sarween tools as well, mm-hmm. which that's not enough. That's two, sending spending six bucks to get Sarween tools round one ain't worth it. 
Yeah, that's that's what I'll say about that. It's you can get Sarween tools round two. What I would rather do is save that six bucks for the plastic. That's why you're taking tech is to save yourself four total bucks. Right. right. So that you're not having to spend both your home systems and a trade good. You get to spend both your home systems and a trade good on a dreadnought or just literally anything else, whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever suits your fancy. So I will say the timing thing, the the stability of that maybe makes me w- like if we were in your your hypothetical you built where I'm picking between two doors, one leads to technology, uh-huh. one leads to construction somehow, like because yeah. everybody else messed up. <laughs> um, I, I think that reason would make me say technology, but also now that I'm thinking about this hypothetical deeper, the fact that I'm playing with people that have let technology get to me yeah. at like fifth or sixth pick means they're probably not going to stall me. Yeah. So I could probably just take construction anyway. So anyways, I just worked it out. For <laughs> So uh, that that's uh, again. There's just no there's no bad pick in any of that. There's a strategy for everything, um, and there's nothing we are directly trying to fix. My biggest thing is anything we do. I wanted Gravity Drive not only because it let me take kind of whatever systems I want, like all of the most lucrative systems, or maybe even control objectives around one. Like I can get all the culturals I need to to have four planets of a trait or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you can just get objectives. Sar is one of the few factions that can consistently score at least one of the first two objectives round one. Right on. Um, but the other thing is what that it's going to allow you to do is take Mechatol Rex round two. Politics is the way to guarantee it, but there's plenty of situations where even if you didn't take politics, some whoever has speaker token isn't going to rush for it, and you can still take Mechatol Rex round two. Sure, Gravity or drive. they can't rush for it. They're right. just not a faction the that fa- can do right. that. If it's you're Ar- sitting next to Arborek yeah. with the speaker token, well, hey, guess who got the first shot yeah. at it? It's you, <laughs> bud. <laughs> right, and 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 Gravity Drive unlocks that ability because then your carriers can be pretty much anywhere you could get them to round one and still be in range of Mechatol Rex. Yeah. So it's just... It's always good, and that's a free point, and you shouldn't pass it up as SAR. Because the other thing about SAR uh, is because your space docks don't land on the planet and don't aren't uh, inhibited by the low resource counter. Right, yeah, yeah. You're the only, you are you and Winu are the only factions that can set up. Well, you Winu and Arborek are the only factions that can build big amounts of stuff. Right on Mechatol, and you can do it right away yeah. Winu can't even build right away you can land on mechatol with mm-hmm. just your space stock and a ground force if you want right. that could be all that you send let's right. let's say extra did a crazy flagship round one and parked it next to mechatol you don't even care about that yeah, <laughs> like totally. in, in their best christmas land you still just send the space stock in with a single ground force invade and then build a big fleet on right. top of mechatol totally. five ships totally. totally nobody nobody gets in there so uh, it's it's very very good. You should do it. You are absolutely a Mechatol Rex faction. Um, your your problems are that everybody will hate you for that. Like that you do all of those things so good totally. <laughs> that that everyone's just going to drag you at every opportunity. But to be fair, mm-hmm. and I think this is like kind of a foundational idea for just how we how we both see Sar is they're going to hate you anyways. Yeah. Uh, even if you tried to play the sweetest, kindest mm-hmm. game of SAR you want, there it's just it is built a certain way. Yep. The game is built to kind of produce this outcome of yeah. like, oh, I hate these guys, you know, because right. they're just you've just got your faction abilities are just frankly like too good right. for people to not hate you. Well, so. and the big thing, too, is like you can 
if you do things right, you can take the hits. Yeah. That's why we got that space stock. Like, okay, I got the space stock round one. Guess what? Your reactor meltdown, I don't even care. Totally. I don't. It totally. doesn't matter to me. Uh, if you get to Mechatol Rex, but everything else is at like equidistance, even someone dropping Ixthian on you, if you position your stuff correctly and like spread out in a certain way, you're going to be fine. Like, yeah. you can avoid most any problem right and and just to tease a little bit if you're happen to be interested in there's actually expansion coming out for twilight what? imperium i don't know if you know that have you seen that uh <laughs> but uh sar we're actually going to reveal some star stuff at the end and sar not necessarily gonna it's not like the philosophy is that they're gonna get worse stuff <laughs> they're not they're they're right. good and it's good stuff yeah they're gonna get they got so. good stuff i'm a little afraid of where sar is gonna be in the in the prophecy of kings meta yeah Ooh, a, can we can we do more can we do more little comments like that little throughout like, these guides comments? yeah hey, you, just you, little you, like you know how this guide was already irrelevant well this comment <laughs> makes it clear that this guy this whole episode doesn't matter completely irrelevant <laughs> and stick around to the end and believe me it is the end to hear a little just a little text taste daddy's got a little taste for mm -hmm. you let's talk about the rest of your tech path totally um so i i think there's probably a lot of arguments um that anybody can make in, in a lot of different well, directions sarween is getting a lot of heat lately sarween sarween is in trouble yeah right now what's there's that a, about there's a faction of people that are just coming out hot radicals yeah coming out heretics i call them <laughs> Coming out hard against my buddy Sarween uh -huh. and his tools. So I, uh, I, I like we said, I want Grav Drive first. Mm -hmm. We got that round one. That's like an automatic. That's a known variable. So Grav now Drive we have is a blue. pretty good tech. I mm -hmm. would make the argument that it's yeah. pretty good. So you well, the biggest get thing it. too is, it's. I, I think it's especially good with Star because your space stocks can use it too. Yes. So like, if you if you are in a clutch situation where I need to get the space stock out of here mm -hmm. or like go dive into the asteroid field like right. you want that range you need yeah. that um, or more like i'm gonna use grav drive on my space stock to do some nefarious stupid stuff yeah. that annoys hunter right that's also, that's also probably great. part and that's more more common. likely situation yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, i do think like starting with round two it is probably decently common that your your second tech could be sarween tools um dreadnought two is a great upgrade for star sure, yeah so they're they're a blue yellow faction i mean because floating factory is really good uh you're probably going blue blue yellow yellow um and then get chaos mapping eventually my, my theory with chaos mapping is you only need it when you need to go protect yourself in an asteroid field yeah the building a ship at the start of your turn is a good ability and i've seen lots of players use it in really creative smart ways i can't really build a guide around the idea of doing that um you just have to like make it work again the big thing is you do want it for the late game like you need chaos mapping by the late game by round yeah. four you should have gotten your chaos mapping so whenever it makes sense i just don't think you need it round two or even round three now if people are already like throwing all of their plastic at you round two then yes you want chaos mapping and you want to go jump in the asteroid field so it's it's like a game by game thing well and also there's going to be situations where the asteroid field isn't in a great place you didn't draw the faction tech mm -hmm. secret and you just kind of start asking yourself, do I really need this? Yeah. Why not just move deeper into blue and get right. something like Fleet Logistics or Lightwave? Totally. Yeah, yeah. Th those could pay off a lot more. But I do think um, if I had a yellow skip, 
I personally wouldn't skip straight to Dread. I would still get Sarween, Dread, and then I would skip to Floating Factory. Those, these too. radical haters are going to be <laughs> all over you for that one, bud. Sure. Well, and and it does. I I see the argument. It kind of again. This also all just depends on the tech objectives. Mm-hmm. If two and two colors comes out, you're probably getting sure, yeah, yeah. Sarween Graviton or ideally Sarween Transit diodes. If you can skip Transit is great, and Transit really hurts. Like I I think I. I personally, if you're talking about a faction and it's like, oh, they could go blue, yellow or blue, green. Mm-hmm. And, and now there's blue, red. But I don't I don't think blue, red is really a factor here. But who no. knows? I don't know. Maybe me saying this is going to make them come out of the woodwork. <laughs> but you can't even use what's it called? What's it? The new Majin. Omega Majin. Yeah, yeah. you can't even Your use space that. docks aren't on a planet, so you don't have yeah, a structure matter. setting them off. Yeah, but um, what I was going to say is that um, I always kind of like the idea of blue, green a little bit. I'm kind of more of a blue, green head versus a blue, yellow yeah. head. But the thing is, transit transit's kind of great and yeah. it does kind of solve your the problem of like moving around and having infantry yeah. like and, and and needing your infantry to take planets that i almost feel like like i almost i almost feel like if sar tries to go heavy infantry they kind of run into a problem of like trying to manage the balance between having a really solid fighter screen yeah. and having like a lot of infantry that can do so and so things right, right. Um, that it's almost simpler to just go blue yellow and have transit to kind of just min max yep. the infantry. 100% I feel like that's agree. more successful. Yeah, I, I hate using the production capacity on mm-hmm. transit. Sar Clanasar wins in space, not on the ground. Yeah, you I abandon agree. the ground. You do, you just don't even worry about people taking your planets. Uh, you time it out correctly. You said, so or, I'm just gonna. T- take you back real quick so production capacity on infantry is what you meant right you yeah, said yeah. production capacity on transit but yes on yeah on yeah infantry. i use transit to get past to get the past idea the, i don't yeah. have to build infantry now i'm just going to use the same basically six infantry all game right? right each turn i'm moving four of them around and it's just like they're always going to be where i need them or whatever yeah that seems more true to form because yeah again you're hard locked at five production yeah. capacity seven if you get Floating Factory 2, yeah. which you would only have if you went blue-yellow anyway, so mm-hmm. you, it's probably blue-yellow. Yeah. It's pretty much blue-yellow. I, I There's an argument, I would say, if two tech and two colors doesn't come out, and then things time out in such a way. Let's say you get Grav Drive round one. You get uh, Chaos Mapping round two because you, you needed it. I mean, round yeah, round two because you needed it. Uh, you get a yellow skip. You decide to skip to Dread 2 round three. Um, by that point, with especially with the yellow skip, I could see value in if two tech and two colors hasn't come up i might then get like neural and fighter two yeah sure sure um or i might have gotten neural even earlier like i might have gotten neural round three but um if my three upgrades were carrier two dreadnought two and fighter two that's a very happy clan of sar that's cool um and yeah even you know Carrier, carrier two, I think, is a great upgrade for yes. for Clanasar. Just yeah. being able to have more fighters. the versatility of like, oh, I can pump more and more fighters, and and then also it kind of helps with the infantry problem of like, okay, so I don't have to sacrifice capacity yep. um, as much because I just have more capacity in general uh, for my infantry. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Um, if you had a green skip, obviously you could just skip straight to fighter two. That would be great. Sure. Um, I, I like Neural on Clanasar solely because it's good for everybody. Uh, it's more opportunity to draw sabotage. It's good for everybody but because you're going to be hit with more action cards it's going to be nice to have like responses to that yeah that's a true. sar that never draws hardly any action cards all game like is you are really having to play space risk at yeah. that point you have no tricks up your sleeve you're just building a ton of units yeah sabotage is a great card but for sar it's valued even higher mm-hmm. because the likelihood that somebody 
and those other five action card hands has something nasty that they're going to play on you is very, very high. That's going to happen yep. more often than not. Uh, the last thing to talk about is Necro. <laughs> Real quick. Not going to, not going to, this is a, a one out of 17 or soon to be one out of 24, you know, faction that can show up or whatever. I guess one out of 23 and 16, whatever. Get out of my butt, math people. 23. 23. Tw- 24 factions. You're sorry. Oh, uh, okay. Anyways, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to make the argument that even if Necro is in your game, it you should not be afraid to get Floating Factory too. Yeah, it is not a big deal. Uh, having the ability for three movement uh, space docks is really cool. Uh, it improves that production capacity that you really, really like. And by the time you get it, which is probably something like round four, it's a late game tech for you. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a last ditch thing. You're getting it as your third upgrade, or you're getting it because you need two faction techs, or you just really want to boost that production and start really chunking stuff out into space or you lost like you had a bad yeah you had a bad day <laughs> and now you need floating factory two right. to replenish your your stockpile yeah. um you're getting it so late that there's very little chance that necro has like set up for it right they have their space sure. like at home there's sometimes necro doesn't build the second dock right or they do let's say they have a second dock the big thing is necro still needs to control their home system to win the board game. Yeah, they're not like you. So they're not just going wherever. Yeah, their space dock on their home system can't just lift off and start doing all yeah, kinds of crazy yeah, stuff. Yeah, they need to protect home. So all you're really doing is giving them access for one of their space docks to go do cheeky stuff. And I mean, you make that judgment call at the time. It's going to be a late game thing. So if you can see where that unlocking one of their space docks would then give them access to like some crazy point. Yeah, don't maybe don't research it. Um, but beyond that, it's not like Floating Factory 2 is a required research anyways. It again, it's if you went blue yellow and now uh, you need the third upgrade or mm-hmm. like Hunter said, something kind of went really bad. Honestly, generally speaking, it is honestly better to get all three of your space docks out and your big production per turn is two space docks in one system. Right. right. Just floating factories ones. That's 10 stuff that you can build that you're never going to exceed that. I want to so, be clear, though. It's not that we're saying that floating factory two is so good no. that it is a required get. I think we're trying to strike a balance between being scared of Necro getting it, yep. but also r- recognizing that sometimes you're in a situation where like that it's kind of critical that you get that. Yeah. Like that, and, and that that's not the end of the world. If you're playing against a Necro that's planned all game to get Floating Factory 2. That's weird. You'll be, well, but here's the thing. It won't be not obvious. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, you'll yeah. be able to see it. It'll be like, oh, that's the space stock that's out there yeah. because he wants to get it and then start moving around. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, it's but, just, it's, you shouldn't be afraid of it. It's not the same as Necro getting Latani 2. Right. Yeah. Oh, totally. Or Spec Ops 2. It doesn't, it's, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not, uh, what's the Sardak one that, that Necro can get? Exotrirene 2 Exo Oh my God. Yeah. So sad. Yeah. NES, you know. I'm not super NES. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I yeah, I am just not afraid of of them getting it. So if you if you are looking to get it as an upgrade, don't be afraid of that. So that's that's tech. It is actually quite straightforward. Um, let's get into some trading, some meta stuff. We have already talked a lot about how everybody hates you. Uh, and I think the the last thing to just add to that uh, to that point is the idea that you aren't like a crazy tradey faction. I'm sure there's like heavy negotiation players out there that are like, no, 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 you can do all this and that. I think trades with SAR come in two forms. I have big stuff and I'm going to extort 
your home system or this mm-hmm. critical planet that you control or I'm going to go jump on Mechatol. I'm scaring you. Pay me not to do something with my big scary ships in like round three before anybody else has as much stuff as me or the exact opposite. I have three commodities and you are threatening me with a scary card. I will pay you three bucks to go away. Yeah. <laughs> so you are either extorting or you are being extorted. Sure. Yeah, and those yeah. are like the two modes of SAR. You can do some trading. Maybe that's why I hate playing is that. Yeah. I do not like being extorted. I get very grumpy. Yeah. And then I do not like extorting other people because it makes me feel, uh, I don't know. Mean. I don't like the sound of my own voice <laughs> when I hear myself. So every time I feel like I should do it, like yeah. because it's optimal. I'm not saying I won't do it, but sure, I'll sure. do anything. I'll do anything. Uh, that's not true. I won't do anything. You're the one that'll do anything. I'll do anything. Okay. <laughs> You'll do anything. Um, I'll do some things and then feel annoyed at myself for doing yeah. it. Um, but yeah, when I have to, it always is obnoxious. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, there's a lot of that with SAR. So, uh, beyond that, I mean, I, I do think the meta kind of writes itself, which is just like, especially like in the mid and late game, don't plan on like non-binding deals and weird favors, right? Mm -hmm. There is virtually no reason another player at the table should hold their non-binding deals with you. Yeah, or like even if they are a person of their word, the likelihood that you're SAR and if they're making easy deals with you, that means like you're going to get a leg up and possibly win the game, leading to a situation where they now find it justifiable to break their yep. word in order to stop you from winning the game. That's a very predictable scenario yeah. and that more likely to happen than like if you're playing a Sardak and somebody's making nice deals with you. Right. Like, yeah, right. You're, you're just you're not that faction. If anything, if someone is dealing really nicely with you. The rest, the other four players are going to be really mad, almost more mad at that player than they will be at you. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's not, it's just not advisable for people to like make really good casual deals with. Sar. That being said though, people are like, I, when I play with SAR, if they're my neighbor, uh, the idea of being their support buddy is pretty attractive Huge. to me. If, oh, if yeah. that's the meta, if that's what's going to happen is that eventually we're all going to swap. Yep. You know, if I'm playing a group with that won't necessarily do that, I probably wouldn't go after it. But if it's a given, yeah. I'm probably going to want to be the swap buddy with, uh, with SAR. You definitely yeah. are going to do support swaps and your ceasefire is worth a lot oh, to yeah. people. You, you Sometimes you can just sell the ceasefire totally. more so than other factions can. I used a ceasefire recently to call off a threat of my, my only space dock. I didn't build the second space dock round mm-hmm. one and then it was getting threatened like right at the beginning around two or whatever right so and that's why you need to build that second one yeah right there, exactly it wouldn't evidence. have been a problem if i had the second space dock already it, it, my, my round would have been fine um and uh i gave up the ceasefire um so that they had that reassurance of like hey look all these scary ships that are parked next to you aren't going towards you yeah um so your, your ceasefire is absolutely valuable your support for the throne is absolutely valuable and your three commodities are still three commodities yeah that's fine that's good that's, there's nothing wrong with that yeah 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 Let's talk about the mid game. Uh, it's it's pretty simple, I would say. Um, I want I'm I'm on the lookout for the asteroid field. I'm not like going for broke to find it, but I'm trying to make sure I have a route to it if need be. Mm-hmm. Um, and and probably by like round four, I'm I'm starting to get something in there. I would like to have a space dock inside of an asteroid field, uh, like by round four. Yeah, that's my goal. Right. Um, the other thing, though, is and this is a very uh, Matt thing, but I think you are kind of going for broke on specifically control objectives. Um, you have a distinct advantage over other factions in rounds two and three um, 
with how much more plastic you have than everybody else. Right. And this means like you can get control objectives just significantly better. And then guess what? As you're getting those control objectives, you're gaining trade goods. So it falls naturally that you would then do the control objectives and then get spend objectives, right? You gain, you literally gain the, the things by taking stuff mm -hmm. to do the spend objectives. And then the tech objectives come naturally. I do not like to over tech as SAR. So I'm really, I'm setting myself up myself up to buy the tech when it gets me the objective for the most part it, it, a perfect sar tech path for me honestly is just like gravity drive chaos mapping dreadnought 2 like i would be good there yeah. I'm, I'm happy to stop there and spend the rest of my money on plastic yeah. yeah um and i'm only getting the other stuff if the two or three unit upgrades comes out yeah um, so for me it, it's it really is focus everything you got on those harder control objectives that other people can't pull off easily i think there's something interesting that happens with sar in the mid game in that um it feels like the flow of sar's plastic advantage always kind of takes like a familiar shape which yeah. is like it's really high at the beginning um it's it's only going to be rivaled by like I don't know, like maybe like a necro barony. or like a barony with yeah. with like trade, and they and they made out and they got a lot of money, yeah, uh, or they didn't get tech or something. Um, but so overall, it's like really gonna like peak early, and then in the middle, people are gonna kind of catch up to you, and then I feel like from there it kind of takes two distinct yeah. directions. It either either the SAR gets kind of obliterated, which mm -hmm. by the way does not mean that they necessarily lose no. the game. Uh, at all. In fact, there's plenty of SAR wins on record where they have like essentially no plastic left. Yep. But um, it, it what's going to happen is people are going to catch up to you. So you need to, you need to be ready with the idea that in the mid game, something bad is probably going to happen to yeah. you. Yeah. With like kind of a lot more certainty than you would ever say about any other faction. Yeah. Like something bad's probably going to happen. Somebody's going to play some mean-spirited action card or not mean-spirited it's not like they're doing it to be mean but yeah. it's just like the way the game is set up you there's probably going to be a very good reason for someone else to play something against you and it, it's not always an action card it could be that someone has decided hey this this one sarball is just weak enough and i'm going to make a play yeah. for it in the mid game that's yeah. that's more likely yeah I, I will say the other kind of scenario I see happen for some SAR players mid games is let's say those control objectives are like all straight up in a weaker player's slice. Uh, sometimes SAR just swallows another player whole mm -hmm. and eliminates them and they go into they finish the mid game with like an ungodly amount of ships and it's not that like oh my gosh i've sent everything out all over the place i've stretched myself crazy thin to get these control objectives sometimes sar goes into the late game with still the biggest fleets and right. the scariest right. stuff yeah that so, totally so those are the two scenarios you can find yourself in the late game so speaking of late game uh where i think this finishes out is dependent on which of those two scenarios you ended up in yeah for me I almost always end up in the like, I got nothing left. I'm stretching everything I can to finish the last points. Right. Um, stuff like that crazy unveil flagship maneuver. Um, having a space dock in an asteroid field always gives you the opportunity to go do some sort of wacky thing. Um, finding just whatever money you can. That's how a lot of mine end. But you also see those space risk players who end a game where, you know, 
uh, five tech specs comes out, they already are sitting on two or three of them, and they have such huge fleets that they can actually go take the other two yeah. where no other player could even consider doing that objective. Um, so I, I think your late games always look pretty decisive, whether it be decisive because you have so much stuff that people just really can't stop you, or decisive because you are throwing every last thing you've got. Uh, the, so I want to focus more on that that latter one because i feel like that's what you see mostly with sar because a lot of times uh like what hunter explained happens which is the table folds onto you yeah um and just just throws everything tries to ruin your day yeah Yeah. um and they they have the incentive to my kind of philosophy is uh don't be afraid of losses you you can lose stuff in the late game and it, it may not actually cost you your win uh plan try to plan to lose like the right stuff if if you can that's a hard advice to give but like just know what is actually super worthwhile for yeah. you and what like you know what that is like a carrier and a bunch of fighters and a cruiser but that i can lose that and it won't do anything to it's, me i like to use the sabotage card as like a hypothetical to kind of just prove this point but this is more abstract than this it's just the idea of like you have one sabotage in your hand it's round four mm-hmm. someone's playing an unexpected action because they're about to take advantage of your smaller fleet yeah is it really worth the sabotage you know what right. i mean like are, are are you able to in a situation like that kind of do the math because the thing about sar is they have this uncanny ability to come back from nothing yep and so you have to remember that you you're kind of built that way so like it's sort of about recognizing how much damage this is about to do to you yeah. and making an, an educated guess on whether uh, it's too much or, or, you know, or it's fine. It's, it's a baby bears bowl of porridge yeah. situation of like risk too risky or not risky enough yeah. or whatever. You know, my goal with any SAR game is to let my, uh, you know, it's, it's the way a retirement fund is supposed to oh, work. Oh yeah. <laughs> you, you, you set up a retirement fund. Your retirement fund is all of the ships you built in rounds two through four. You mm-hmm. just kept building so much stuff. Um, and now you're starting to use all of your money on spend objectives and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the last points that you score should be sending out all of the rest of your stuff. The best SAR wins are the ones where it's, I have a space dock and a single ground force in an asteroid field and everything else is dead. You're right. Yeah. Um, I, but like the retirement fund is supposed to be that you have all this money and on the day you die, the last, the check that is written from your bank account to pay for your casket bounces. Right. <laughs> like you, you spent every cent up till the last moment. Um, so that, that is your goal as SAR is to like finish clean economically. <laughs> right. Or it just happened to be easier than you yeah. than that. And you make it into the late game and you still have the massive point, fleets. In point, which case you don't need our advice. Right. The like, point is to say you uniquely can afford to do that. Other factions can't throw everything they've got like that because they still got to protect home. Yeah, you get to do that. Yeah, you get to throw every last ditch effort. Well, you and can. also scavenge to a certain extent helps you do that because yeah. you could conceivably lose a majority of the planets you control, and then next round still make like a manageable amount of money. Yes, and that's that's very that's just you. You're the only one that really works like that. Right. So. Right. Well, that's, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's Clanasar. That's Clanasar. That's the first guide post. 
Prophecy of Kings. I don't think it was too bad. I, don't I, think, I, I, I think we still good. tried to turn in a good job, even though the two weeks notice has definitely been given, <laughs> and we're all looking at each other this like, "Sar you know, only exists for two more months." Yeah, it's like we're independent contractors, <laughs> and we know we're going to get rehired for the new job when that starts. But for now, this job is it's it's almost done. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, uh, we have some Root Woodland Alliance errata to yeah. get to, so we should probably jump over to our errata. Oh yeah, let's jump to it. I'm just going to ask, so welcome to the errata the portion. Um, I just want to ask real quick, um, just to kind of, what, was it the root music that we used to, as no, the interlude? We used, or? We, no, it's the TI music. Should I have used the root? I, 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 I mean, usually, I'm just trying to make a request here that uh-huh. maybe it could be, like that That might be like a cool little, no? You're just, I, I, I keep them, I don't want to credit two music artists in one episode. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I don't have the. Yeah, you would have to add an extra credit. I don't have that built in. Uh, okay. Well, sorry to offend all the root people. <laughs> I'm sure you're upset about the musical cue that you did not receive. But welcome to my favorite part of the show, hosted by me. Um, this is Space Cats Peace Turtles Errata, uh, because we make mistakes. Not really. It's actually evolved into a different type of thing. That's more like mailbag, but um, like a mailbag segment. Anyways, this first one's. Uh, this was about the Woodland Alliance guy that we did last week. Um, this first one's from uh, Garrick. I like three warriors on Woodland Alliance bases because my goal is to have recruit be my last action, not my first. Uh, so w- what he's saying is that like he he wants to start the turn and he already has three warriors on a Woodland Alliance base so that he can move, convert, and then recruit. Yeah. So it's just cleaner that way, right? Um, this better defends my bases between turns and is more likely to keep uh, me ruling at the start of my evening so I can move out of there. Yes, yeah. so that so you continue to move. Um, and if I need an extra recruit to be able to move, I can make it happen at the start of that evening instead of at the end. Um, yeah, that's re- a real clean way to execute it. And I feel like we just, this is a point... This is one of those points that I feel like we just came shy of saying this, but never explicitly yeah. said that this is the good, the way it should there, look. There is a little bit of like six the one, half dozen the other, right? Because as long as you end up, the, the goal here mostly is you want to end up with the three warriors on the bases. Yeah, totally. Um, As opposed to the like, I moved all my stuff out so that at the start of my next turn, I do all of these conversions and then some new recruits and new moves. That's yeah. all. I, I I don't want it to get confused. I don't want to get errata to this errata. That's like, it's the exact same thing if you recruit a bunch and then move and convert, but you left three at home. Like, I know that's the same. The point is to say, don't have sent everything out so that then at the start of the next turn, you do all your conversions. You want to complete the cycle yeah. of move, recruit convert and and well and this just suggests a really clean tempo too which is really good and the bigger thing too is um having the three at the start like they're saying you can always change that recruit to be at the start if there's some sort of rule situation right like where you can't break out of a certain thing if you already have three sitting at home you can build you can recruit one or two more or whatever and then actually break the lines and get out so hmm. just having the three on the base yeah. means you can get out of there much easier in case there's some crazy shenanigans of people. Like if, if Eerie just jumps in there and lay, you know puts a bunch of warriors there, you might be able to recruit your way out Yeah. Um, if you started the turn with three. Uh, we also have this errata from, well, oh, yeah. Space Lawyer, but a lot of people. Um, 
This one's <laughs> this is stupid. Okay, but this is directed at me. This I is directed at Hunter. This. I'm gonna say it to you. So Hunter, you made a comment about you were you were comparing to uh, Winu and something about eggs, and you had a comment about how. Well, eggs, I was talking about how it's silly that eggs are kept in like, fridges. In, yeah, in, in like I've, I've heard that in in Europe they don't keep them in refrigerators, and then and it just never occurred to me that you wouldn't need to keep it in refrigerators. And then I think I thought. You can that, just do that. That we had just that, you know, and I, and, well, and you'll find out what I've been doing to my So eggs. Space Lawyer and multiple other people, we should say, said eggs have to be stored in the fridge in the USA because they wash the eggs with chemicals before they come into stores. This kills the germs on the outside of the eggs, but also destroys a natural protection layer. Therefore, the eggs must be stored cold to keep them fresh. In other countries like Germany, eggs do not get washed and must not be kept cold. So we got cleaner eggs. Yeah. So I think I had like, there's kind of. <laughs> I feel like I have a, a nat one one just personal personality quirk I might have is that I think I have a natural inferiority complex when it comes to like American little cultural things uh -huh. like that. So my assumption was that we put eggs in the fridge and that it's actually stupid because that just seems like <laughs> something we would do where we just put eggs in the fridge for no reason. Yeah. Little did I know there is a reason. And then also I kind of find out that, you know, German people are eating dirty eggs. <laughs> so like now it's like, am I really, do I really need to feel inferior Germans with their dirt eggs? <laughs> Just like eating nasty old eggs they just found on the ground. Disgusting. Okay. <laughs> Delicious beer. Disgusting eggs. <laughs> I want to thank all of our space kitties and weird bears. Farganus, Brian, T.G. Welch, and our space kitties, Naderade, Patients of Virtue, Polyphony, Requiem, ROI, Sippy Peace, Girls, Gaskio, Dark Tootsie, More Tension, Bot Bot, Absol, and Istoria. Let me know if I'm saying that wrong. Yeah. I feel like I am. That's a new Space Kitty, That's right? a new Space Kitty. Hi, welcome. Yeah, thanks, hey. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Hunter, hey, hey. what's going on in Patreonville? All right. So, um, Hunter Donaldson Fan Club August uh, has been selected. Um, the stream that we'll be doing is a Nuzlocke in real life stream game with uh, EJ, Matt, and myself. Um, so, the three of us will IRL using our human flesh will play a variant of Twilight Imperium based on the popular uh, Pokemon <laughs> style of, I don't understand what we're talking about anymore, but uh, some We are going to have to refresh thing. ourselves on the rules. It's essentially no, your ship's- No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I will be taught the rules as part of the stream, <laughs> okay. and you will teach the stream as well. We're not going to show up and be experts in this thing no one cares about or knows what it is, okay? We're all going to learn together, all right? I love it. No expert strategies here. Uh, Galactic Council has been whittled down. Yeah, so it's either going to be um, we. There, there are two options. So there's a new poll up. So please uh, vote on the new poll. And the two options are the same. The two <laughs> options are pretty similar. This I think was a little bit of an oversight that we had two that are really similar that are both going to be really popular. But we either do and and you know what I'm going to make them as distinct really, as possible yeah. right now in the pitch. So the pitch is we do a reveal update kind of roundup for the prophecy of king's expansion where we kind of talk about everything that's already been announced yes. um we, you you will get no new stuff outside of the the tease that we do at the end yes um but we're gonna kind of just go over everything this is kind of more for people that like have maybe not been tuning into the videos. Yeah. If you didn't see like our commentary stream, this would be like kind of more like that um, would be the feel. And then the other episode um, w is what we're calling expansion wish list epilogue. This is where we're specifically going to go back and listen to the original expansion wish list that we made 
well, like what? a year and a half ago or yeah. something? Yeah, um, it, it was a while back, and this would be us talking about what we said, what we asked for, kind of, um, as compared to like what we are getting. Yeah. Uh, almost like a how accurate were we... Not that it was, it wasn't a prediction thing. No. It was just it's kind what of we a, like, wanted. what we wanted. How close is this to what we wanted, essentially? Yeah. And and to be able to also talk about like, what do we feel like we aren't, I mean, we don't, you know, we, we, we don't see every single thing yet. So yeah. there's, there's some mysteries still left to us. Right. But with everything that we've seen, um, what do we, what could we hope to see more of? Yes. That isn't being included in this. So, yes. So that, that would be sort of what that one. So we wouldn't be talking nearly as much about um, specifics of like what all the different abilities are. So basically Pioki reveal is literally let's just read a bunch of abilities for a while and, and ruminate on them. Mm-hmm. And the other is like, let's talk broad strokes. What is this expansion doing? Awesome. Um, so here's my uh, Twitch schedule for this week. Um, on so on this Saturday we're gonna do the Nuzlocke game, correct? I believe that that could change a little bit with EJ's availability. Okay, uh, so but we don't I'm, it we should don't be solidly have it that. should be this Saturday. Okay, so it would be um this Saturday on the twenty second. Uh, I'm gonna say somewhere between ten and noon yeah. would probably be start time. Yeah, um, we're gonna do the Hunter Donaldson fan club thing. If not, expect to see me playing Twilight Imperium um, on TTS in some form yeah. or fashion uh, around that time. And of course, I'm just going to switch to central time because that's the time zone I live in. Sorry, you have to adjust to me. Yep. Um, so that would be between 10 and noon central. Um, and then on the 16th on Sunday, um, I, w- I am going to move my root streams to Sunday yeah. um, as a kind of, uh, I guess, like a root church thing. Um, I'm going to shoot for two games, one in the morning to afternoon zone and the other in the evening zone um probably something like but not necessarily noon central and then 6 p.m central cool um it it actually might be more like noon central and then like 8 p.m central Mm -hmm. but um i'm gonna be a little bit loose with that and then hopefully by the next time you hear from us i will be able to give you a much more solid yeah just schedule in general. I'm trying to get things settled back again. Right. But yeah, and, it's been uh, hard. my, I played a split session game with some good Yin Brotherhood members. I, I was playing a SAR. I think Hunter's getting that up on the YouTube this yes. week. It's kind of a, it's a little bit weirder of a game because again, it was actually in three separate sessions. And, uh, in at least one of them, I have Molly with me. So okay. like, it's good. kind of a weird, uh, pace. <laughs> I, I step away from the table for a few times. Uh, so it's kind of a goofy game and it, it's not, um, it's not School of Hard Knocks SAR. I'll say that much. Mm-hmm. It was a casual game uh, that SAR got to be fairly comfortable. So don't think of that as like <laughs> top tier pro Legit SAR. strategy yeah, pro Matt I, Martins I, plays, I, <laughs> plays the heck out of Clan of SAR <laughs> this Sunday. Yeah. Uh, so also, if you can rate us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. And iTunes uh, you can uh, help increase the visibility of this show and of Twilight Imperium and of Root and all the stuff that we do. Uh, also, go to our website, spacecatspeaceturtles.com. You can find information about our Patreon, our Twitter, our Discord, all of our stuff. You can find us, come talk to us, come hang out with us, come play games with us, all that stuff. Hunter, are you ready? I'm ready. It's, Here we go. It's the secret. It's the, sec- the secret final part of the show. Just spoils. All, all of the normal people have left, and it's just us and the cool people <laughs> here for these. Co- this is legitimate POK spoilers yep. that you can only get right here. Right here, right now. Uh, I'm going to start with the the less 
interesting one this time because last time we like ended with like a just shard of the throne oh, and then yeah, it was like yeah, weird yeah. energy okay so uh the first thing we're going to reveal is uh randomly one of the cultural exploration cards so when you invade a cultural planet uh this is a card you might draw, right? There's mm-hmm. a deck of them. I don't even remember exactly how many cards are in a cultural deck. There's a handful of relics. There are copies of some of these cards. So this card has like a set number of copies. There's not right, just right. one of these in the deck. Um, there's all number of things you can get. And this is one of those things. This is one of the cool uh, things you might get when you invade a cultural planet. It's called Freelancers. And it says, you may produce one unit in this system. You may spend influence as if it were resources to produce this unit. Whoa. That is a hugely impactful uh, exploration card, I would say, especially for factions like Excha or Isaril, mm-hmm. or those factions that need help getting something on the front lines. Right. They're, they're sending kind of everything they got, and they don't have very many resources at home. This is an incredibly cheap way to turn that 2-3 planet in your home system into a, another carrier, a cruiser, or something. I'm also thinking it might be cool if you accidentally didn't, like you have some influence you didn't spend on accident. Have yeah. you ever done that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. like Hakan, you have like the one zero one planet. Right? Yeah. You just, that's just going to sit there around And it one. just didn't have a spot yeah. to do anything with it. And then, bam, freelancers hit. And you're like, whoa, this Here saved my life. I planned this. <laughs> planned for this card that randomly showed up. Cool. I like it. Uh, I'm excited for it. Now, ex- tell me the cool yeah, one. Okay, tell me the, the one cool. that's, ooh. Okay. Oh, man. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of this. Uh, this is the this is uh, SARS Mech. It is called Scavenger Zeta. And we just today talked a lot about how good SAR is. Uh, SARS mech, uh, like a normal mech, it has sustained damage. It costs two. Uh, it has a combat of six. But let's go ahead and throw that cost out the window because the SAR mech is deploy, which is a new keyword that is essentially a keyword that l- lets you put that unit on the map outside of production, right? When a thing says deploy, the, the text that follows this deploy is how you could get this unit instead. Mm-hmm. So the deployability of a, of a mech is after you gain control of a planet, you may spend one trade good to place one mech on that planet. So you gain control of a planet. After you gain control of a planet, you gain a trade good. You could just immediately spend that exact same trade good, and instead of getting a dollar, you can spend half as much as you would have spent on a mech and just get the mech. Pretty cool. So not only are you really fast at expanding, but literally your first four Act, like your your first two activations, the first four planets you take could just be mech, 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 mech. Oh boy! <laughs> well, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a uh, that's that's pretty sick. Yeah. Let's remind everybody what the basic abilities that a mech has, though. Like, what it's, do they hit on, and what's the? They it's have it's that damage. combat on a six. So yeah. it, it it's it's gonna soak two hits, sustain damage, and come out of six. So now the star that we just described, that's like has an infantry. I go take planets, and I have an infantry, yeah. and then I just abandon them. Now I'm just like getting a super powered infantry on all of those planets. So then round two, when I go make a threat against my neighbor with all of my big scary ships, it's also like four mechs coming into that fight as Jesus. well. <laughs> Well, there you go. That's uh, that's great. That that's the that's, that's I think stupid good. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, I'm really excited to see. I'll say, I'll say one thing about this before we go. Um, I am really excited to see how 
how important mechs become on just a raw combat yeah. value level. Right. Because I think we we tend to think at this stage a lot about the ability attached to it. Yeah. And with something like this, it's just like, oh, well, is just getting it out quickly, is that going to just be really, really awesome? Yeah, yeah. Um, just based off the value of it alone. I don't know. That's that that'll be that'll be really interesting to yeah. see. Sar is going to be a force to be reckoned with. I don't think there's very many leaders known about, so I'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how many other superpowers they have mm-hmm. given the state that they're already in. Right. I think the strength of Sar is the most interesting one going into Prophecy of Kings because the strength of Jolnar is primarily just because of the tech objectives. Right. So we know that's going down. There are yeah. more objectives, there will on average be less tech objectives in a game of Twilight Imperium. Yes. So Jolnar got a big nerf. Soul, we've seen all of the leaders. Have we seen the mech for Soul? I don't know. In Anyways, we've seen a lot of the Soul stuff, and we know they're not getting very much great stuff. So we know everybody else is kind of coming up a little bit more to Soul's right. scale. Right. Sar was already great, and so far, getting good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll see where that ends up. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I I am very much afraid of, of what the meta around sar you know the 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 pok sar guide could be like kill everything kill everyone because all anyone's gonna yeah. do all game it's a 5v1 because right. everyone knows that you're unstoppable <laughs> yeah may, maybe that's it maybe the idea is to just lean into that dynamic uh-huh. and make it even more like it's like if you if you thought they were hated in base game mm-hmm. yeah in expansion it's uh it's gonna get fiery so <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we will catch you next week. Next week's that crazy episode. Uh, All right, yeah. Next week, uh, it's, it's <laughs> you won't hear from us. T- really. You won't really hear from we'll us. We'll probably do like we'll an intro. There. Yeah, we'll sure, be around. We'll be there. We'll, we'll be there. But, but uh, Katie and Elena are taking over the show next week for Partners in Ti. Yeah, that's fun. That's catch fun. us here. Same cat time. Oh my god. Same cat channel. Is that the sign off? That's the sign off. Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>